Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Good morning, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you. Uh, We are recording this late on Sunday, July 31st. You hearing this in the calendar has flipped to August, Brendan. And there is uh, a lot to talk about. Not as much movement as we might have expected, but uh, you and I are the first on air to discuss a a couple of trades that the Cubs did make. They are not the ones that we are all sort of waiting on pins and needles for. Uh, But we will talk about those a little bit. Chris Martin is no longer a Cub. Dixon Machado, no longer a Cub. He actually played against the Cubs on Sunday night, one of those weird baseball trades. But, Brendan, everybody's listening to this on Monday morning, and that is the last we will see of the Chicago Cubs. And those of of us who are still on the team at this moment, uh, until the trade deadline. So that's all she wrote. That's it. It's surreal to see Wilson give his goodbyes. You see, you know, the, the hugs in the dugout following the Sunday night game with David Bodie and Christopher Morrell. And I mean, we talked about it last episode. It sucks. It's surreal. But I think Wilson said it best. Like, he's ready to move on. Like, I, I am yeah. too. Like, I'm sick of doing this. And, like, you know, it's going to hopefully going to be the last time for maybe a year to three years, hopefully, right? But I'm ready to move on too. Yeah, I I know that like when they're when they decide that they're on this path and they've made these decisions, like there's not a way to speed this up. But you really wish that there was. I uh, just get it over with. Yeah, for yeah. all of us involved. I all mean, obviously I mean, we're just reading these rumors, me. and Wilson too. Like it, I, I I don't know if the the right phrase is that this is unfair to him, um, but. There's just something that feels really gross, right, about everybody involved knowing that this is going to happen, but it just being dragged out as long as humanly possible. He gets asked these same questions over and over and over again in the pregame, the postgame. The Sunday night broadcast is focused on it. Everything is just focused on it, and it just has that error of, like, you know, leave the guy alone, right? Like, let's just do this, get it over with, because— it, it's just torture for everybody involved at this point. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of us don't really care so much about these recent games. We, we want to see what the guys coming back in the trades are going to be. Um, and so right now, like, my, my focus is, right, like, what can you possibly get for Wilson? My, my reaction to any possible trade, I think, is going to be... Um, you know, pretty underwhelming, I think, like just given what we saw in the past year and two years and given some of the reports, like I'm fully prepared, Corey, and this is maybe like a a dark way of thinking about this, but I'm fully prepared to log on either Monday, Tuesday, and see a trade with some guys that don't make 
um, many people happy yeah. and people are going to be very upset. I'm fully prepared for that. And I hope, like, you know, I hope there is um, a different reality where a lot of us are actually pleased with the trade, although that seems unlikely. With Wilson, I would go as far as to say that's going to be impossible. Brendan, unless it's, I mean, you know, you never know, like they could put together some massive thing that brings back something. But I, 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 I mean, do you think that's possible? I would pose the question, do you think it's even possible that they make a trade with Wilson that makes anybody happy? No. Un- <laughs> other than like, you know, super no. prospect heavy people that you know, maybe get excited about this. But even at that point, I would wonder if the the prospect folks and the minor league folks want to be trading Contreras in the first place. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I think uh, a lot of focus is looking at the 2023 team and seeing that the free agents out there, they're, they're, the, the free agent catchers are underwhelming, right? So it's going to be it's going to be weird to see the reaction and you see, you hear reports about like packaging David Robertson to boost a value coming back and maybe taking back fewer prospects but the quality being higher I, I think there's one way forward where a lot of people are somewhat I guess relatively pleased and that's if they can get like a top 50 guy back from like New York or from San Diego and it seems as if that's unlikely but maybe if there is such you know, stress from these teams and they're trying to duke it out to land Contreras, maybe one of them does bite and ends up giving up one of those high quality prospects. Yeah. And, and so just for clarity's sake, uh, the Cubs <laughs> did uh, lose three or four to the Giants this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about stuff that, that went on in this series, but there's just sort of more pressing matters. So I just wanted to kind yeah. of get that out there that we'll, we'll, we'll touch on these, but few close games between the Cubs and the Giants. The Giants win three of them, and I I, I don't know how much uh, most of you really care about those specific results. But back to Wilson, and, and I've said this before, like, uh, you and I have stated, you, me, everybody else on the, the CHGO Cubs team has sort of given their opinions over and over on where this organization is, the decisions to trade some of these guys, etc. Uh, like I said, I think uh, a time ago when Wilson played what you know is likely to be his last game as a Cub at Wrigley, like same thing watching the end of this Sunday night broadcast tonight where the game ends, he's getting hugs in the dugout, uh, talking after the game about presumably what is his last game as a Chicago Cub. And it, it still just strikes me like I this is just not where this organization should be. We look back at the deadline last year, and it appears that the Cubs did really well in those moves, right? Um, Some of those guys are very exciting. They're moving quickly through the minors, etc. And in the long run, I I hope that those prove to be the right decisions. I think early on, it, it seems trending that way, right? But man, the just the second deadline in a row where we are watching these players in tears everybody online in tears uh you know in their own homes or at the ballpark and it it really just has that sort of striking feeling of boy this is a a pretty low point for this organization and it's i think i said this last episode brendan this is just not part of the bill of goods that we were sold uh, at the beginning of this whole process with the the transfer of ownership and the first rebuild, like that this was going to be a perennial process for us was not something that any of us signed up for. So I, I hope that in the coming days, the system is, you know, flush with talent at all levels and it just continues to climb up those rankings because that's what they're doing. So I want it to go well, but this really, really sucks. And there's an element of it that is rather pathetic for where this team is. <laughs> and I think it's I think it's highlighted, Brendan, by what you and I were just talking about, that it's this this drawn out process that really just shines such a spotlight on it, right? Like you're watching these other teams in conversations for Juan Soto, or you're watching teams strengthen their first place lead or think about who they're gonna buy at the trade deadline. And what are we doing again, right? watching our players yeah. just sob as they answer questions from the media because the Cubs just don't want them anymore, you know? Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate 
situation to be in. You know, like, like I was thinking uh, today just about the rotation and Joe Musgrove, by the way, resigned with San Diego for 100 mil over five years, an absolute steal of a contract, uh, presumably by San Diego. And so my mind starts thinking about, all right, like what are the other free agent options? And you look at the market and there's really not many like ace-like guys in that Joe Musgrove tier. And of course, my mind races back to last offseason. It's like, oh, damn, like, I wish we would have maybe put more emphasis on getting Gossman and kind of investing more on those those higher tier free agents now. That way, in a year from now, two years from now, the team is hopefully competitive. You can still match their peak years for value. I don't like, I, like my thinking always changes on this, but I, I'm wondering if the fact they want to trade Contreras for a prospect and the the cost of that is just not seriously negotiating like you know i i think it could be a mistake as well at the same time of course right now it's too late like you have to trade them but i might think back a year from now i'm like damn you know what i wish going in to that lockout season before the lockout happened that they extended wilson that they they made an investment they they put forth the risk of paying too much in a non-competitive year now, but still have that possibility of him contributing to a competitive team in 23. Because I, like so many options, have to go the Cubs' way for them to be like clearly competitive for next year. Mm-hmm. And man, like I'm just worried that one domino will just keep falling and we'll keep pushing back this timeline because all those ifs keep multiplying and you're not going to be able to match up a competitive timeline and i think this it may be it may be a possibility where we look back and we're like ah you know what it was a mistake not investing in the risk of wilson not being like a sustainable catcher and and wasting some of his early years because the Cubs were not good. I'm worried yeah. about that. No, and I, I I said this, I think, the last time, you know, that it, it gets to a point where it's not just all about that, man. That's kind of why I asked the question of, like, do you think there's a trade that they could make that people would be like, oh, you know what? Okay. Like, yeah, good job, Jed. I mean, like, do actually, you? you know what? I'm kind of into this. Like, But do you? But no, it's like, Corey, I like, don't. You, hear, you, hear, you hear the names, right? Like, I'm not going to list these names. There's, there's too many names to list, by the way. But it sounds as if getting a top 50 guy is just not, is, it's not realistic right now, just for Wilson alone, right? So you're looking at maybe a, a double A guy that's a year away that, ha- that has a lot of risk. That seems to be like, what the market is for Wilson, which is, that's the market. It is what it is. Is that going to make people happy? No. I would be shocked if people are genuinely happy that they got back a 22, 23-year-old double-A guy with a 30% K rate. I'd be, I'd be shocked yeah. if people were happy Well, and I, I think, yeah, like that, that goes back to what we kind of talked about on the last episode where, it, and the fans don't make the decisions, and oftentimes that's for the best, right? But you just look back and just constantly getting rid of guys that the fan base loves, that loves playing here, that have been in the organization their whole careers often, like it's it, it you know it it's a it's a risk from a baseball perspective sometimes it's it's the right one to take sometimes it's the wrong one to take but it's also yeah. just a risk of like you're just severing such a, a strong emotional connection um, and Wilson actually said that I think after the game on Sunday that you know he's really learned this year that it's not about emotions it's about business and that's what decisions come down to and yeah there there's just a I think there's a a strong risk in that you know you have someone performing for you right now at the best level of his career he's been in this organization for over a decade he wants to be here is there risk associated with a let's call it what a five-year contract extension sure something like that of course there is right he's a catcher he's already DHing a ton like of course there's a risk associated with that but so what right like isn't that going to be most people's takeaway so what you know if you get some of these prospects, generally what you're thinking is, well, they would be lucky if one of them turned out to perform like Wilson Contreras has in certain years for the Cubs, right? So like, like I said, like I, I think that there's always a way to look at these things and look at the, the value of who you get in return and what your plan is and blah, 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 and have it make sense in that 
in that way. But is that the only way to go about this stuff? And I, you know, I think the answer is no, right? So setting the table a little bit, since we're on Wilson, um, one of the things that at least you never know with this stuff, like whether you can buy any of this, because a lot of these writers speak to certain agents and the certain agents want certain things out in the media, certain front offices want certain things out in the, the media. But one thing that seems to be the case is that the Cubs' asking price is quite high. Uh, there is a, a lot of reports from people with the Mets that they're interested, but that the Cubs are asking for too much, and so they may be looking at backup plans, things like that. Um, I, I really liked a, a quote that I read in an article um, from SNY New York uh, that said, it's clear that Billy Epler, in, in charge of the Mets, his front office might as well be wearing t-shirts in the war room that read, we are not doing another Pete Armstrong trade, uh, which is, of course, who the Cubs got for Javi Baez. And you know, the, the line of thinking being that the Cubs want the world, they want really talented players, and the Mets are not interested in giving up that type of player again. So it, it's good that the asking price is high, I guess, right? Does that yeah, give anybody any solace? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I, honestly, I honestly don't know. I, to be honest, I, I flip-flop back and forth. I have flip-flop back and forth on Wilson over the years uh, with wanting to extend them to consider, you know what, the risk and the health issues and the catching defensive framing stuff and, and all of that, like it, it appears volatile. Um, but I just don't see it. I don't see, I don't see if you don't extend Wilson or even seriously reconsider him in the off season, who you're going to feel behind the dish. I mean, the creation list right now, I'm looking at it. You have Austin Hedges who has, a Woba of 230 for Cincinnati. He's 30 years old. That's basically it. You have Gary Sanchez who, who can't block a pitch right. behind the dish. Uh, and you have Christian Vasquez who's also on the market. He might be the second best guy behind Wilson as a free agent for next year. Then you have like Tucker Barnhart and Austin Barnes and those guys, but they're they're 33 years old. Um, I, I'm very I'm very uncomfortable, Corey, with, with what they do at the catcher position. Yeah. Um, that's and the yeah. That's that, that's definitely I, that's, the risk. Yeah, that's our. But it's it's weird. I don't know how it is for you. It's weird though because when you see, when you see it actually like start to happen and the reality starting to set in, like my mind changes. Like I, I don't know what it is, but I see when I see it actually finalized, I'm like, oh my god. Um, I, it, it seems so difficult for the Cubs to fill this void. It seems so difficult to fill the void in just not a catcher, but in the lineup as a whole to fill that middle of the order bat. Yeah, well, and and something else, too, is that, you know, obviously teams change identities. They get new players. Players step up. We've kind of seen that with Nico a little bit this year. Uh, You have a guy like Christopher Morel come in, and his electricity sort of garners a lot of attention, et cetera, things like that. The, the Cubs have also traded away some really massive clubhouse and, you know, just sort of like organizational presences in the last two deadlines, if Contreras is also in that group. Like, Contreras is, is the leader of this team right now. He appears to be a mentor for a lot of players on the team, sort of that face of the organization. You, you go back to what we all could see and feel was Javi Baez's impact on, on everything, Anthony Rizzo's, like that stuff is also tough to replace, right? Like you're, you're talking about guys that are like really the heart and soul of a team and an organization and, and a group of players. And that's not easy to replace. And that's stuff that we don't have a, a value for that. Like Fangraphs doesn't have a, a war for that, like the, the mentorship and leadership role. But like that, that, there's a risk in constantly removing that, right? Like, you need yeah. players like that. You need presence like that. And I think one of the concerns that I have for the Cubs with these moves, again, like whether they're correct in terms of a, a baseball operations standpoint, things like that, um, it, you know, remains to be seen. But, like, there there is a, a value in that. And I think the, the, the organization sort of just deciding that that doesn't matter seemingly or that they value you know other stuff more I I think that's also a risk right like and I'm going to be very curious to see how this fan base responds we saw the attendance last year after the deadline just nosedive right it's been up and down this year um 
there's a lot of factors that go into that, but I, I think there are a lot of people that are going to respond pretty poorly to this uh, when they actually end up doing it. I, I, don't yeah. think, well, I, mean, I don't think that, like, people are going to show up at Wrigley Field and be like, hey, we got Mark Vientos from the Mets, you know? Like, let's go, <laughs> right? He'll be here in two years, sick, you know? Like, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, Marquis impressions like the amount of uh you know eyes you get on their on their tv they're down 20 percent as well so you have the wrigley field attendance tennis numbers going down but you also have the tv numbers going down just the amount of people tuning into the network is dramatically down and a two million drop at this point compared to last year is massive imagine what the peak is during a competitive team like the reference at this point from last year is when they traded everyone dude so i mean you can you can probably imagine that if the cubs were competitive they would draw about 50 percent more eyes so it, it is it is a financial risk it's just a risk overall i i don't know i'm just very i'm very uncomfortable with the entire scenario uh when you when i'm talking out loud about this and you, and you see like the trade potential for wilson i i I thought maybe they would get back a better package than what you saw from any of the core guys last year. I don't think that's going to happen based on what you're seeing right now in the reports. I think it's going to be within that same tier as like what you got back for like Rizzo or KB or uh, you know Javi got PCA and, and you know he's one of the best prospects in the system. But he was a, a risk at the time yeah. due to injury and being a young guy who barely played uh, minor league baseball. So that's that's what you're. There's doing. there's just such a strong like juxtaposition to right now that's happening that I think also yes it's my favorite word um that makes things worse right and that situation is that from the beginning of these rumors the Cubs have basic has have not been mentioned whatsoever in the Juan Soto discussions right and you can you should want Juan Soto I'm not going to let you off the hook to think that you don't want Juan Soto on your favorite baseball team. But you can think what you want about what it would take to acquire him, things like that, etc. But the the juxtaposition of other teams being in on Juan Soto, right? And not only are the Cubs not in on Juan Soto, a generational player that's available seemingly for a huge cost, but at 23 years old, right? They're not in on that. And you know, franchise legends, you know, big time players, organizational fixtures, right, are also, again, we're just watching them sob on national TV over and over again. It's just a, it's a bad, it, it feels yeah. bad, man. Well, you know I mean, on saying? the same day, yeah, on the same day, you have Mike Rizzo and uh, John Mazziliak, right. like in, in, in the same booth, yeah. like shaking and laughing and, and like, like all buddy, buddy. And so we, on the same day, that you have Wilson potentially being dealt. You have the Cardinals potentially be rumored to have acquired or close to acquiring Juan Soto. That sucks, yeah. Corey. We've talked about a lot of the, the problems that have gotten us here. How to properly weigh all that is a very lengthy discussion for a different day. We've talked about mistakes in drafting. We've talked about mistakes in development. We've talked about trade mistakes. We've talked about plenty, right? The mistakes that the business side of this organization has made, the mess yeah. that Marquis is, the stadium renovations, the money they spend around Wrigleyville that nobody asks them to spend and that apparently cuts into the baseball budget, things like that, right? We've talked about all of this. The Ricketts family has been a discussion in so many ways and just how much everybody hates them and the mistakes they've made, right? Like, yeah. trust me, we've said it. Our, our friends have said it. Our colleagues have said it. We've talked about all this. So all of that plays into getting to this point. But the the overarching point is that there are organizations that are acting like winning championships and getting the best players to do it over and over and over again is their number one and only priority. And for the last, what? two and a half seasons, something like that. If you're counting this one as a full season, going back to the Udarvis trade, it's about two and a half seasons. The Cubs have not been doing that. They've been doing the opposite of that, right? They're building to some sort of future team that at the, the, whenever we hear him speak, their president can't even tell us when that is, right? So a lot of this path, once they're on it, I think some of the decisions have been 
good, and I think they're doing well on some of that stuff. But being here, it's not great, Brendan, and it's it's not where this organization should be, whether they make good decisions on Tuesday and they pay off in a few years or not. Yeah, I, I you know, when you bring up all the potential ways that we got here, you know, my brain starts to wander. But you start thinking about the U Darvish trades and the core trades and the lack of extensions. And you start to think, okay, can you develop some of the guys in the minor leagues that you currently have that are that were not acquired from the trades and still elongate this window? We'll find out in five years. I think you'll have a post-mortem analysis that you can figure it out. But you see teams around the league who don't do that. You see the teams like uh, St. Louis who extend their win window. They somehow get Nolan Arenado for Cracker Jacks. They somehow get Paul Goldschmidt for guys that end up not being valuable in the opposing trade, and you extend them. They end up being in the discussions for generational talents. And that's the frustrating aspect of this. And you see other teams just extend their win window. Mm -hmm. Even the Red Sox... During the early to mid-2010s, they had one down year. The next year, they come back and they win the World Series. So you do wonder, where where are they missing things? And I, I mean, I do, I, I gen, you know this about me, but I genuinely believe that with all the business problems having happened in the past five years from the early renovations to the pandemic to the marquee botch all of that like i genuinely believe that they still could have been competitive with bad ownership um and it's and it's it's the other way around too where maybe the ownership could have not cut dozens of baseball personnel because of covid and they could have maybe brought back like you know schwarber before the the budget was restricted and all that like yeah they, that, those are possibilities as well but i just i think in hindsight they they could have kept their competitive window and some of the baseball executive decisions could have been made differently in the context of having I, let's say it bad owners I, I i will die on that hill i think all right, uh, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. The best way to support CHGOs, download the PointsBet app right now and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making more than the $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. You're home for live in-play betting. Just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching is your favorite game, is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet live with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral. Second break here from our sponsor, Owen. I have to tell you about Owen, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of the products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. I first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Both Justin Fields and I are elite athletes, so I had to try these drinks out for myself. They taste great, and I know I'm getting quality nutrition every time I pop one of these guys, especially in the morning to start my days. Owen and CHGO partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen only what you need. All right, Brendan. Uh, this is a uh, this is bleak. I gotta tell you. Um, I know. I like wrapping up on on Wilson. I think I want to read a quote from him, and you know that that I, I think just wanted to you know again like set the table for the, they're off on Monday, and you know the the trade deadline is before they play on Tuesday. So something 
perhaps is going to happen and just kind of want to get our last thoughts about it. Like we're not going to have a chance to speak on this again before something happens. So it, it just comes down to one of those things where they're on the path that they're on. They've made the decisions. You're already this far into it. Um, and I, I, I am not a person who wants them to act only on emotion and, uh, you know, do things that only feel good for the fans and things like that. And I think hopefully in time, you know, you and I spend a lot of time now watching PCA highlights or Owen Casey highlights, and, you know, we, we get excited about them. But um, I, I can't divorce myself from the emotional connection to all of this. I just can't, right? It's easy to look back now, yeah. like KB, when he's been healthy, has been good for the Rockies, but he is is really snake-bitten, and it's a real shame. Anthony's been great for New York, but that's a very specific situation that he's fitting into. Javi has, has not been great for Detroit. Like, I, you know, you look back on those, and like, I don't think that Jed is going to be kicking himself about those decisions uh, next year and the years to come, and we'll see what happens with Wilson, but I, I just can't divorce myself from it, man. Like, this just stinks. And I, you know, you've said it before. Like it has got to reverse itself uh, yeah. when this next off season comes, well, because cool. th- we just can't keep doing this. Yeah, and I bring up the other examples too in, in the past. You think I, just to bring up the Red Sox again, right? They've they've had past players struggle that were disappointments and they can still rebound and you still see it even with for example the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger you do get guys who underperform that were staples let's say immediately the previous year but they're able to do that because they had a flush system they somehow were able to bring in infrastructure to supplement and mitigate bad performances by guys they did not expect to perform badly the cubs were not able to do that so as a result when you see you know kb go and you see javi go and rizzo and all at the same time and now when you see wilson go there's no one to fill that void that's the thing where it may be easier and it may not even happen but if it were to happen and you can fill that void faster it may be easier for fans to understand like the logic behind it but when there is no void being filled and it doesn't right. appear that the void's going to be filled even next season. Right. <laughs> then people are going to be pissed off. So it amplifies the frustration. It amplifies the emotional connection yeah. to not wanting to lose these Absolutely. guys. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. If you're if you're continually winning, but you're making cutthroat decisions in the process, right. I think people get over it. I mean, you think of like, no, like this is a great example, like Nomar Garcia Parra 2004, right? Like the Cubs get him and everything and Boston goes on, they, they win the World Series. Right. And that was, that was, that was Theo making that trade. Um, but that was a cutthroat decision that led to winning and it was one influence by, by money as well. So it's... Uh, I, I don't think anybody it, in Boston at the end of 2004 was uh, missing Nomar. Right, that's kind of the point. Right. Even though he was and like, even when they, uh, yeah, and like even uh, you know when when they traded like Mo- like when Boston traded Mookie Betts, like Boston's not the juggernaut house right now, but they're still competitive. Like even this season has been a disappointment, but they're not in the cellar like the Cubs, and they had to get rid of Mookie Betts for other reasons, but they were still able to come in and be and field a competitive team that at least draws interest from fans. Yeah, man, oh, boy, um, just is what it is folks. So uh, the market at least appears to be healthy. You know, you read different things that uh, potentially the Mets, the Padres, the Astros, the Rays maybe even are some of the teams that are looking into Wilson. Um, And that's, you know, again, it seems that the price is high, which is good. But, you know, again, kind of a game of chicken, right? Like if teams don't want to bite, like I... I, I don't think a lot of us would mind if Wilson stayed here, but what would that do for anybody, right? They don't seem to have any interest in extending him. Then you're getting nothing for him. Uh, so it, it just creates an interesting situation. Jed should hold out as long as he can if this is what he wants to do. But ultimately, and you said this earlier, the offers are the offers, right? So we'll see how that all works out. Uh, yeah. One last thing uh, I just want to read from Wilson. He see, he did say, the, the the popular quote that's going around social media late on Sunday night is, I just want this to be over, which is, you know, me too, Wilson. I think all of us feel exactly the same way. Us too. 
Um, but he said after the game, quote, I care, man. I care. I care a lot about my pitchers. I care a lot about the game calling. I care a lot about making the team better. I care a lot about winning. I know this team is not made to win this year. Not even close. Oof. Uh, emphasis mine on that. But I learned a lot from this team, too. From losing, I learned a lot. And that was... Wilson talking about, you know, potentially catching new pitchers and having to learn a new pitching staff and stuff like that. I think it's just a good, you know, sort of way to end this particular portion of the conversation. Um, you know, that's who Wilson is, right? He, he said it a few times. He cares a lot. And I think as fans, we all felt that. And if this is indeed the last time we see him play as a Cub, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure. I, I tweeted the other day, I was at his, the, the, the first you know, his first major league at bat when he homered. Um, I was there on, you know, what was one of his last games at Wrigley Field. Uh, and it's been a joy to have him be a Chicago Cub. If this is it, yeah. uh, he would finish his Chicago Cubs career with 109 home runs, um, some really good numbers. And if you look at the MLB leaderboard since 2017, he didn't play the full season. Uh, in 2016, but starting in 2017, there were only three catchers that were more valuable since 2017 to now than Wilson Contreras. That'd be JT Realmuto, Yasmani Grandal, and Buster Posey. But after that, it is none other than Wilson Contreras. So he, in the time that he has been up with the Cubs, he has been one of the absolute best to do it. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to move on from that and everything else that he brings after a decade in the organization, all, you know, best of luck, Jed. I, I hope you know what you're doing, man, because a lot of us are, I, I don't think feeling this, but it is what it is. So uh, setting up the table for the other markets, similar stuff. The Cubs are talking to a lot of teams about Michael Givens. I would expect him to get moved for sure. David Robertson as well. And Ian Happ, similar story as Contreras when you read the tea leaves, right, that the Cubs are asking for a lot. They don't have to move him, right? They have an extra year of control on Happ, so something to keep in mind as we head towards this deadline. That is a different situation than the one that I just laid out with Wilson, where if the offers aren't there, Jed can just say, nah, right? Like, this is not the time to do this. I'm not going to... uh, not get my price for this we'll just keep him for next year what pay whatever in arbitration and you have different discussions in the off season um again different than wilson because he's gone at the end of the year and i he loves this organization he loves these fans but i would venture to guess after this process he would certainly test free agency and probably be easily swayed somewhere else because uh, of this process seems yeah, very no not fun for him. So, uh, you know, there's there's guys like Drew Smiley who pitched in this series in San Francisco. It wasn't a great start, but I don't think anything that's going to change uh, if teams are looking for a depth starter. He went four innings, seven hits, five runs, two walks, five strikeouts, gave up a couple homers. But, you know, scouts are there. They're going to see the spin rate. They're going to see movement on the pitches. They're seeing that he's healthy. If they were interested before, they're not uninterested after Saturday night just have to see if that's something that the Cubs want to uh, move on from. And that's kind of the majority of the guys that we are hearing things on. Those relievers are almost certain. Um, So that is kind of the, the lay of the land, Brendan, for what to expect from this deadline. I I would guarantee you that those relievers are gone. David Robertson and Givens are going to be traded. I would say that's a certainty, right? Hap, I don't know. I, it, it seems like something that's going to happen just because everybody's been preparing for it, but it does seem like the Cubs are at least holding that they want a lot for him. Yeah, and they, they should, because also when you look at the free agent market for next season in the outfield, there are guys available. You have Andrew Benintendi as one option, Jock Peterson as another option, and we talked about it last episode where there is a scenario where it makes sense, where you trade Hap, you bring back value that can contribute to 2023, and then you snowball that in assigning one of those outfielders in free agency or using some of the prospects you currently have in your system to go out and further improve your MLB team. I'm into that idea. I think because HAP is so high right now and his value has never been higher, that it might make sense to do that. And I'm curious if that is the best forward 
to make this team competitive for next season. They shouldn't just trade Hap, though, because he is doing so well right now. They have to get back. Like, if I, Corey, if I see a trade with Ian Hap, and that immediate reaction of mine is not obviously positive, mm-hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset, right? Because then... Then you're doing you're already, it just to do it, basically. You're doing it, do it just to do it, and you're already sacrificing options to compete for next year you're limiting your your chance to be competitive again for next year it's just my thinking is you can still go out and be competitive and get back the most out of half so they have they have they have to get the most out of yeah so depending on when you're listening to this the market is going to be held up by this Juan Soto situation uh which unfortunately is another thing that we all have to be bracing ourselves for because one as mentioned the Cubs don't seem to be involved uh, and unfortunately, the Cardinals seem to be one of the front runners here. So, boy, would that be uh, just, I mean, talk about how many knives in the back can we all take, right? Like, these next yeah. couple days have the potential to just be an absolute unmitigated disaster for all of us. I don't want to scare you, right, by saying <laughs> that, but as I, I mean, you kind of, you're scared. As I always that. say, you should be prepared. There is a worst case scenario for all of this that involves a lot of sadness for us saying goodbye and just a really bad situation that takes place uh, heading to St. Louis for the next few years because apparently, like, Paul Goldschmidt is, I think, 35 and he's having one of the best seasons of his career. So that train doesn't appear to be slowing down. If you added a 23-year-old Juan Soto to that, that's a mess, folks. Just an absolute mess. Um, I I don't know, Brendan. Like, I, it's just possible. I'm just warning everybody. I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, maybe AJ Preller gets, you know, crazy and, and does his thing and they, you know, get him to San Diego. I don't know, but it's it's possible. And so there's also Frankie Montas with the A's starting pitcher. That's another one that's going to hold things up, right? Because teams are going to have to ship big time offers for both of those two guys to varying degrees, obviously. Uh, but until those things happen, you read that a lot of these teams are looking at certain things, and if one thing doesn't happen, they're looking at some of these Cubs guys, right? Yeah. So it it some things may trickle through, but maybe everything is being blocked up by this stuff, and we've seen that before. So depending on when you're listening to this, if that stuff hasn't happened yet and you're still wondering why the market is very slow, that is likely why. Um, but that, you know, kind of sets you up for where this trade deadline is. Again, not too much has really happened, uh, but that's kind of our thoughts and feelings on this. And after we uh, say thanks to our sponsor here in a second, we are going to talk about a trade the Cubs did make, uh, which was yeah. Chris Martin for Zach McKinstry. Yeah. Okay. Break here from our sponsor, Points Bet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so Brendan, this is a pretty straight-up trade here. Chris Martin, yep. uh, the reliever, is the first you know, sort of traded here for the Cubs. Uh, and the Cubs get Zach McKinstry from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you know, kind of just one of those players for the Dodgers where he came up a little bit. Uh, didn't have too much success at the MLB level, but he is 27. He bats left-handed, throws right-handed, plays a little infield, a little outfield. Um, I know you took kind of a, a deeper look at him, um, but, you know, this, this at least is pretty much, I think, what you would expect from someone like Martin. He was not great with the Cubs, but he was pretty good. The peripheral numbers, the underlying numbers, the, you know, spin stuff, all those metrics looked good for Chris Martin. 
uh, and he's a veteran who's got experience. And yeah. you're you're not surprised to see the Dodgers strike on something like this because they looked at those underlying numbers. They have all that stat cast data. They don't care about his ERA or how many outings were great, how many weren't. They saw the ones where he looked really good. They know what they can do to how to utilize it. But the, the important thing is McKinstry, who was in San Francisco. Uh, he did get into the game on Sunday night in a pinch hit spot, struck out, um, but only appeared uh, a, four games in the 2020 season for LA, 60 in 2021 for LA, and then 10 so far in 2022. So, you know, just one of those guys who, uh, you know, fairly highly touted at times, interesting guy, but just didn't really get a full shake. So what did you see when you looked into McKinstry? Yeah, he's a diverse guy defensively. He's 27 years old. He has weird numbers at the major league level versus that at the minor league level. When he was in the minors, he was not striking out. His strikeout rate over the last few seasons was 15%. Pretty good. With the Dodgers since 2020, in about 200 plate appearances, he struck out in 30% of those plate appearances. His Woba in that 200 plate appearance sample was 284, not good. WRC plus of 79, not good. But he played all over the diamonds. He played second base, he played shortstop, third base, left field, center field, right? Like every every position. He does kind of the same type of merry-go-round as you saw with Christopher Morrell for parts of this season, uh, playing shortstop when Nico's not playing and moving over to second now recently with Ortega getting that bass to center field, right? So that's kind of the mold. You get this defensive versatile type player. With him right now though, because he doesn't have that power profile, a 30% K rate is gonna get him DFA'd, right? So he needs to make more contact. He needs to carry over that 50% K rate that he had in AAA this season in 220 plate appearances to the big league level. And if he does that, then the thinking is that more contact is going to come in the form of good contact, and he could be a decent hitter. He did bat 335 with 396 Woba in AAA this season. He's had success there as well in 2021, in which he bet a 272 uh, with a 372 Woba in AAA. It's just he hasn't had the consistent chance to, to showcase. Uh, some of his abilities at the big league level. So he's going to have that chance now, I think, with the Cubs. And for the Chris Martin ticket, if you will, if you want to call it that, I think it makes sense. Now, some fans may have wanted more of like a mid-level prospect, let's say a double-A guy, kind of in that same tier as Bryce Ball that Jock Peterson was dealt for last season. But at the very least, you get an idea of what this guy could be next season, and you get to know how he produces against big league talent today. Like you already saw him in the game today. So there's two ways of looking at it. For me, I'm pretty agnostic to it. I think there's a lot of work that McKinstry has to go through to be a consistent, you know, utility guy. Right now, he he should not be on a, a super competitive big league team, and he's not. He was just traded off one right now. So that's the thinking. He's going to get opportunities. It will be interesting to watch, but a lot has to go right for him to be uh, uh, successful for a competitive team next year. So I, I have two questions for you. Um, the first is, at least to me, this seemed like sort of exactly what I would have expected for Chris Martin. Is that a, a fair yeah. assessment? Yeah. No, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they even got back this mm-hmm. potential. Like, that's my thinking. Like, I was, because you got back Bryce Ball for Jock Peterson last year, and Jock was struggling. Right. But Bryce Ball was, I think at the time, oh man, I should know the age. I want to say he's 23 or 24, and he had problems, right? And he had the COVID shortened season. So that seems like more of a lottery ticket than McKinstry. And it feels as if Chris Martin. And Jock Peterson, the value is a little bit lopsided because Jock, we know what he did with Atlanta last season, and he was a, a, almost an everyday contributor for that team, whereas Chris Martin's not. Nah, he's a reliever, right? So I'm happy with the return. It's just realistic. You have to be realistic of what you can expect from a guy like Chris Martin. I think the Cubs got the most value out of him, and they decided we want to take this lottery ticket at the big league level. 
Okay, so that's fair. Uh, the second question I have for you is, what do you think is happening at the major league level that is exploding that K rate? Because that seems like a pretty interesting change, right? Yeah, uh, the sample size is is jagged, right? Where he came up in 2020, uh-huh. and he didn't get that much of a, of a sample size, only seven plate appearances, and he comes up last season in 60 games. He gets 172 plate appearances, doesn't start that much. Uh, so you're only getting on average, if you want to just do the math there, like two at-bats every time you go into the game. So that could be part of it. Uh, now, strikeout rate does stabilize around 50 to 100 plate appearances. So it is a stable sample size. It could just be that he needs that consistent action. It also could be that for some reason, uh, the major league pitchers have his numbers. I have not like dug too deeply into it. But it's very odd to see such a drastic shift in K yeah. rate, like at the big league. Well, level. and just so we we'll have to look just into a it. guy who you know, obviously it's been uh, up and down because he's spent some time at the majors. But you know, you go back to like 2019, a 126 WRC plus at Double A, uh, 2019 at Triple A, 177 WRC plus and 95 plate appearances. 2021 at AAA, 117 WRC plus. Uh, and like you said, the highest K rate in all of those samples was 19%. And just sort of explode. So something, yeah, something is happening weird. at the major league level that those pitchers are able to exploit that they are not able to exploit to the same degree in the minors. So yeah, I mean, if you look at like the pitch values that he has against fastballs or sliders, he struggled more against sliders last season than any other pitch type, but he was not good against any pitch type last season. But against sliders, he cost uh, the Dodgers about four and a half runs versus four seamers about one and a half runs. So it could just be a breaking pitch type situation where the, the breaking sequencing is trickier to pick up for him and he just needs that consistent playing time. Who knows? We'll have to figure it out as he gets more at-bats. Yeah, but I think this is, you know, this is the type of trade that, especially for someone like Martin, I'm fairly interested in, right? Because this is a guy who, you know, he is 27, but that's, you know, not super old, right? Um, And he doesn't have a ton of major league experience and is versatile, right? So, you know, maybe you're not able to unlock it to the point that he becomes a star, but we've we've talked about it a lot with Christopher Morell, and I saw a lot of good discussion going on on social media over the weekend that, like, the, the Cubs have spent a lot of money on really bad depth players, right? Be that guys that they have had on the major league roster and the bench or guys that they've had to call up. I mean, you know, you think about the various amount of times where the Cubs have had no depth at certain positions, right? Nico was brought up for just that reason, right? In a position that he was, you know, not really ready for, right? In a a pretty pivotal spot in 2019. Um, we've seen other injuries and, and positions on this team where there just isn't depth there. And sometimes having guys that, you know, even are, are filling out the higher levels of the minors, like that does matter. That's not what you're hoping for yeah. here. But if you can have a guy that can be a part of a major league bench, play a specific role in specific matchups, that's valuable, right? Rather than giving that money to Andrelton Simmons, right? Jonathan VR, sure. right? The, the reason that the For Cubs sure. signed those guys is because they didn't have that depth from their own system. Again, you'd hope that McKinstry can develop into more than that, right? But if that's something you're able to unlock and be comfortable about, great. You just saved, I, I don't even want to look up what they paid those two clowns, but like whatever it is you can save if you're able to develop those guys and when they play multiple positions etc maybe you can unlock something this is also an example where the cubs are trusting their infrastructures right we've talked a lot about the pitching infrastructure the hitting infrastructure the changes that they've made to how they develop players what they teach those players the coaches that they have the systems that they have in place and this is where that stuff gets put to the test right you're bringing over a 27 year old who a an organization that does have a lot of success at times was you know putting some interest in this guy right it didn't play out that way and and a lot of that is going to be because the Dodgers just don't have time right if it's not working they need to find a different answer quickly and 
luckily for them, uh, they can, right? The Cubs have not been in that position. But this is the type of trade where, you know, I think Jed is is hoping that the system that they have in place can make changes to McKinstry or really take the time to understand him and like we were just talking about, what is the reason for that K-rate? I would think that the Cubs infrastructure has already looked into that, and they have some ideas on how they can adjust that. It's it's possible. So this is one of those trades where, you know, this is not an 18-year-old that is going through every level of your minor league system and has all these raw tools that need to be developed, and he's going to put on 20 pounds of muscle or whatever it is, right? This is a guy who you have to figure out how to unlock this and that's faith that you put into this new system that you've spent a lot of money and time developing yeah and i'm thinking too when you add in mckinstry to this uh plethora of options to get at bats right now you have 61 games 62 games left you have about 300 plate appearances per position uh i want to see at bats from other guys too i want to see nelson velasquez continue to get back uh, at bats uh i want to see you know frazier hopefully come up and get at bats. he's yeah he i would love to see crook but frazier's been kind of a mess in triple a uh so i i mean he needs to improve there as well but the thinking is at, at best case scenario you'll get jackson up you'll get crook up you'll get frazier up i, I mean i hope they're aggressive with mervis who's going to come up and you got to get all these guys at bats you got to continue to get morell at bats Bodie's on the roster whatever your feelings on him you still want to see him get at bats because you're still paying him uh, ortega might still be on this roster wisdom got has to get a full entire season they did option rivas and maybe rivas comes up and you still give him a chance at first base there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities here but i hope that it's not too crowded because you saw kind of what happened with McKinstry where he didn't have that consistent playing time to go through his process to be successful although he has success in AAA so I hope that it's not too many guys I hope they're not going to try to spread themselves out too thin and only give these guys a few chances rather than devoting a ton of at-bats for one guy and going through the struggles with that one guy in the hope that he becomes successful yeah so I, I think it's an interesting trade. I think, you know, for Chris Martin, he didn't light the world on fire, but uh, this this got you something that is interesting, and I, I think that's what you're hoping for. There's potential here, right? Um, and it's up to the Cubs to unlock it and, and to what degree they're able to do that. So the other trade that we see over the weekend, uh, the Cubs trading Dixon Machado from AAA to the Giants, who again started for the Giants uh, on Sunday night. Uh, he went one for three in that game, so that's always interesting. Uh, and they make that trade for Rynell Espinal, a pitcher who is also 30. Both of the players in this trade are 30. And it's, you know, sort of a, a simple trade, right? These are guys who, you know, were not banging on the door and were likely not going to get an immediate opportunity in the organization that they were in. So, you know, the Cubs do. Uh, a solid to Machado. He gets traded and is immediately brought up to the majors, so that's that's cool for him. Uh, and Espinal has not been great with AAA, 529 ERA, 5.51 FIP. Um, you know, a, a pretty three true outcomes type situation, strikeouts, homers, walks. I think sits in the mid-90s, saw some video of him. Um, and that's, you know, I think something you would expect in a trade like this. The Cubs have a guy who uh, they can continue at AAA. They can maybe bring him up and try him at the MLB level if they want in the second half, depending on how all the you know 40-man stuff works and the different things that they have to work through to you know get some of these guys, depending on who's traded or not. Uh, but you know, similar, right? Like you see, if you get him in your your pitching infrastructure, you work on the things you want to work on. You have Daniel Moscos design some new pitches or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. if it gets you anything cool if it doesn't well all right whatever right that i mean that's that's it right it's 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 the it's one of the luxuries of having the pitching infrastructure be so good i mean you're seeing guys come up uh like uh eric yeoman who's having some success although he has some champs today in san francisco but that's the luxury of having guys come up and producing because once you trade away a Chris Martin, you're hopefully not going to lose a step in the bullpen and you're able to kind of diversify that value and, and, and give your team the best chance to even out 
overall. And and that, that's that's the luxury of having an infrastructure both at the pitching level and at the hitting level and positional group that they have not had that the Dodgers have had. This is a perfect example, Corey, because the Dodgers, they trade away McKinstry to the Cubs. Uh, whereas in years past, the Cubs did a similar type of move, but they traded like Jaimer Candelario and Isaac Paredes for Justin Wilson. And I will never never forget that trade because you see like even Isaac Paredes having success with Tampa Bay right now and Jaime Candelario is like a three-win player last year and he's been successful but that was the cost to get a Justin Wilson at the time and they had no other choice they needed bullpen help and they sacrificed some of their prospect value and some of their positional depth in the hopes that you got back a clear-cut reliever and that failed too so the hope is Bullpen continues to do well. Uh, Daniel Moskaus and Tom, Tommy Hadevi and the rest of the infrastructure can identify these guys and just keep the keep the machine going. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the trade situation thus far. It will not be all of it. Uh, so as Pat Hughes would say, fasten those seatbelts, folks, because this is going to be a hell of a couple days, Brendan. And what better that the next team the Cubs have to play is the St. Louis Cardinals. Lovely. I mean, just kill me right now. All right, so let's preview this upcoming series against the St. Louis Cardinals. So off day on Monday, likely going to be a busy trade rumor day. We have them coming back on Tuesday in St. Louis. Keegan Thompson pitching for the Cubs that night. 6.45 p.m. start time. Keegan is 8-4 and with a 3.16 ERA. Facing Adam Wainwright to 7-8 with a 3.28 ERA. On Wednesday, same start time, 6.45 p.m. Justin Steele pitching this outing. 4-7 to 3.86 ERA, hoping he gets more defensive help this outing. I thought he was fine in San Francisco. Just some unfortunate win patterns, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, that caused some defensive miscues. You have Miles Mikolas. I will never know if that's the right way to pronounce Nobody his name. I will, I will never figure it out. Um, it's too late in the game for me to do that. Uh, on Thursday, Marcus Stroman on the mound for the Cubs. He's 3-5 and five, a 3.99 ERA. The Cardinals have not announced a starter as of early Monday morning. So if you really care about this series and you want to figure out who's pitching on Thursday, just stay tuned on that. And the next time we talk to you, it's either going to be, uh, it's more than likely going to be very uh, annoyed, sad, a mixture of the two maybe happy if something crazy happens the next time you hear from us uh wilson Contreras is no longer going to be a cup problem. i don't expect to ever be happy again frankly so <laughs> i'm not gambling on that yeah oh, listen i i God. go back a lot i i i offered up to whoever you were whoever was listening right whatever deity or you know universal outlook you happen to believe in uh on the evening of november 2nd 2016 i offered up a lot (laughs) i offered up a lot when i was in the stands at progressive field uh and i i think and this is the something along the lines of i will never ask for anything again related to the world of sports if the cubs win this game and they did so i don't uh and you know I, I think it was a real, you know, sort of monkey's fist situation. Uh, what happened that year again, though? Was it, was it, was it worth the, it? The Cubs like, won what the World Series, yes. Won the World Series, yes. okay. Okay, I just remember. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I I sort of sometimes think that the universe was like, okay, you got it. Here we go. Yeah, let's let's see how you feel well, about I mean, this in 10 years. Really and I feel good about it. I do it again. But, you know, yeah. it's, it you know, in the moment, it's not so great to deal with. Um so if you're still with us here at the hour mark, I do want to lay out uh, on Monday, the uh, Luke, Cody, and Ryan will have an off-day show for you in the afternoon. should be live on YouTube. And then for the trade deadline, I believe the plan is to have an afternoon episode, a trade deadline special, and then just post-game on Tuesday. But that is, you know, card subject to change, Right. Uh, the CHGO Cubs team, including Brendan and I, we are on the ready to discuss however this goes down. So that is kind of the schedule for now. Uh, off day show on Monday, trade deadline special in the afternoon on Tuesday, and then Cubs post game after the Cubs and Cardinals game on Tuesday. 
If big stuff happens at different times, that may change depending on schedules and, and things like that. But regardless, you will get content about anything that happens as quickly as we can get our heads together and get it out for you. And then, of course, Brendan and I will be with you uh, at the end of this series with the Cardinals to break down those games and continue working through our feelings for however these next couple days go. Uh, But regardless, CHGO Cubs will have you covered uh, for the trade deadline and anything that happens here in the next couple days with the Chicago Cubs. So that's the plan. Um, As I always said, folks, we're, we're at the end of the road here, Brendan. We've been, everybody's needed to be prepared for this for a while. We're here. And the next time we talk, you know, to review a series, just the two of us, it'll be over. We may not feel good, but it'll be over. The Band-Aid will be ripped off, and we can figure out how to proceed with our lives. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave it with this. Sometimes I wax poetic about this stuff, but I, I, do, you do. I do believe this, especially if you're listening to me ramble on at the hour and four-minute mark of this podcast. Like, we all care about this team so much. We have different visions sometimes for how they should be operating in the last few years. I think you've seen that really strongly, that some people support certain things, some people hate certain things. Everybody is not usually unified on a lot of these decisions. Uh, But the one thing we're unified on, I believe, is a love of this team and the hope that soon enough we are all back at beautiful historic Wrigley Field watching a competitive team worrying about buying at the trade deadline who the Cubs are going to play in the playoffs what the division championship merch is going to look like I miss that so much you know what's the hat going to look like should I get a new hat when they win the division again I don't know you know what I mean I miss (laughs) it so much there was just a period where that was a constant problem for me it's the best problem to have so we're all in the same boat here. It's how Brendan and I met each other. We're both psychotic about Look this team, that. right? We love this team, and we're all in this together. These next couple days, maybe there's some surprises. Maybe Jed pulls some some you know some tricky stuff, and it gets interesting, and we feel really good. I doubt it, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, things they might be good, but I don't know if we're gonna feel good. But whatever is the case we are going to get through this together we'll talk about it together we'll you know grieve it together or however it is and we'll press on because at the end of the day however you ended up here you know generationally you turn wgn on one day you listen to pat hughes your parents your grandparents whoever got you into this you're here now and i think as we all know it's you, you can't quit it right so we're all in this together. We're going to get through it together. And one way or another, it's all, it's almost over. So for now, for now, until, for until now. the next trade deadline, right? No, I'm kidding. No, Jed, you better not. This, this better be the last time in this era, Corey. I can't keep doing this. I'm exhausted. I, I re- I think a lot of us don't have the strength for this, man. I can't, yeah, they really don't. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So thank you. For your support of the CHGO uh, Cubs podcast, thank you for your support of CHGO, thank you for your support of Luke, Cody, Ryan, Jared, Brendan, and I. Uh, We will talk to you again soon after the Cubs finish up with the St. Louis Cardinals and probably some of this trade deadline discussion. Uh, And not to exclude anybody else who is involved in this trade deadline. But I I will end simply by saying thank you to Wilson Contreras. It has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope nothing but the best for wherever your career takes you. Uh, And again, thank you, Wilson. It has been a pleasure. And don't forget, he is forever a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs. So we will talk to you again soon. Thank you again for your support. And as always, go Cubs.